sing Alleluia because that is traditional for Christians on Easter. And I also sing it because my iPad has lost my sermon. (laughs) Which my theology tells me it is time to shoot from the hip (laughs) until something better presents itself. We're going we're gonna to run a little long today because I've, I've got a lot going on inside and I feel the need to share a lot. So I hope that you will indulge me. But I remember resurrection. It was July 5th, 2008. I was sleeping underneath the stars along the banks of the Brazos River in central Texas. And it was about 85 degrees and I woke up in a full sweat at 4.30 maybe in the morning. And I was sleeping with a bunch of friends around a campfire, and I felt this incredible urge and need to go, to leave, to run away. I felt angry, I felt scared, and I felt like I needed to be anywhere else but here with my friends. So I got up, and I realized that I was sweating not from the air, but just from whatever was going on inside me, and I put my tennis shoes on, And I took off running. No water, no stretching, no nothing. And I ran. And at that point, I was so inside of my body. I had been working out a lot that summer. I was going through a really hard time in my life. I'd been through this horrible breakup. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was headed. I didn't know why bad things happened. I was suffering from extended trauma from losing my father figures early in life. And I just needed to go. And going felt good. It felt like I was leaving behind some of that stuff, at least for a little bit. And after running, I realized that really what the thing was, was I felt like I was dying. Not physically, but spiritually, emotionally. I had so much hurt, so much frustration, so much unknowing, so much insecurity that I needed to try and find my way on solid ground. And I remember feeling all the breaths in my chest and the pitter-patter of my feet on the road, and I don't know how long I ran, but the sun came up, and it got hot, and I kept going. Until I came to a place along the river where something told me this is the place to stop and take a rest. And I walked down into the banks, I took my shoes off, and I put my bare feet in the water, half in, half out, And I sat there. And then I felt a pull, felt a tug, heard a voice maybe come into the water. And I did. And I went in and I soaked and I laid and I looked up into the sky. We could still see some of the first or the last stars. And I felt all the anger and the insecurity and the frustration flow out of me down the current. And I felt or heard a voice, which is strange for me because that's not my theology. I don't believe in anthropomorphic, that God has a mouth other than ours, that God has a body other than ours, that God has hands and feet other than ours. But I don't know what else to make of it. But it felt like a certainty that said, you are called... You were called to go, you were called to serve, you were called to preach, you were called to love. And it was that day 
that led me here. I know without a doubt. And I don't know how I know. And I recognize that depending on your theology, that sounds either miraculous or ridiculous. (laughs) I still don't know how to explain it either. Other than that it was intensely supernatural and also super natural. That I remember the buzzing of the insects and the feel of the water around me and the reeds, the wind blowing through the reeds and the birds chirping. I can put myself back there in an instant. It was so quiet and yet so alive. So when I talk about resurrection, I think about being in that place of unknowing. What some might call darkness. Feeling like I was dying. Like I was dead to the hope of anything good coming after. I didn't have language for it then. But I do now. So that's one story. The other story is what led me here. And led me to outside of Lovett Memorial Library here in that area yesterday. KP was coming home from the gym. Sent me a text message that said, hey, you want to go protest some protesters? And I immediately said, yeah. Didn't know what it was. Got the story. And it was folks who were protesting drag queen story time at the library. Which is amazing that we have that here in this neighborhood. Uh, But these folks were from a conservative Christian organization who thought it was worth their time on the day between Good Friday when Christians celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus and Sunday morning when they celebrate the resurrection The Holy Saturday, which for people of Jewish background is the Sabbath when you're supposed to rest, thought it was worth their time to go and protest story time to little kids. So when KP came and got me, we saddled up proverbially and uh, made some signs. And I dressed in the broiest costume I could find (laughs) with my shorts and my Nike tennis shoes and my hat backwards. And I built this cross. I'm going to grab it. I don't, I, my notes aren't working anyway. So. <laughs> and we rolled out of our house. And I said, this thing's actually kind of awkward to carry. Which is a metaphor. And very uh, succinct. So we showed up with posters. Supporting the drag queens. Supporting everyone who's on the outside of the margins of society. And they thought they were slick, saying their prayers over and over. There were no clergy people there, which I found heartening. It seemed to be kind of a fringe group. But they were not prepared for the bro to show up with the cross and to start finishing their prayers for them, then leading them in other prayers, then singing hymns, then asking them what their theology told them, and then giving them the Greek and the Hebrew origins of their theology. They were not prepared for that. And I said, oh, y'all don't think I knew all this Christian stuff, did you? (laughs) Pick up your cross and carry me and follow me, he said. So that came out of faith. And that came out of being in that place in the river. That I don't know how I might have reacted. I'd like to think that I would have reacted in a similar way had I not had this experience in the river. But I know that I reacted this way because that's what 
my theology tells me that the story of Easter is the story of resurrection, and resurrection has a lot of different meanings. People have been arguing about what resurrection means since literally the first Easter. Right? When the women go and tell the guys what happened, the guys are like, oh, okay, yeah, right. People have been arguing about it from the very beginning. So resurrection can be all these different things. For some people, it's a risen body. For some, it was the rising of the movement in the hearts of the believers. It's become all of these different things. But the message that Jesus brought, the message that he was killed for, did not die. Spread into what we have today. And it can obviously be perverted and changed and used to, to try and back up nefarious deeds like those people were doing. But it can also be used to draw a group of people together in love. To show up to defend our neighbors. To show up to defend our neighborhood. To show up and speak our values out loud. And that's what I like about the Easter story. I like that it is both this heartbreaking story of the grief that folks must have felt on that day. If your best friend, your leader, is all of a sudden taken away from you, executed by the state, because let's not mince words. This is not some atoning sacrifice that has no other context. This is a political execution done for political reasons because the message of the kingdom of God, this loving community, the beloved community that welcomes everyone in, was dangerous to the people who were in power. And it's the same fear that led the Romans and the Sanhedrin, the council to execute Jesus, is the same fear that put those people on the corner in Mount Airy, crossing the library to protest reading to children. It is the exact same fear, it is the exact same, exact same anger, the exact same insecurity. And I know that because I felt that same anger and fear and insecurity in a river in Texas. And I felt it flow out of me. And I don't have any other explanation for that that sounds as good as resurrection. So I understand there's a lot of mixed stuff with this. But I want to hold up that the story of Easter is also the story of the first women preachers and the first women leaders in religious uh, circles in Christianity and, and Judaism. I also want to hold up that Jesus was executed for being a poor man of color who had a dangerous message to the people in power. He's a walking, uh, living embodiment of the phrase Black Lives Matter. When I read the Easter story, that's what I read. That's what I take away. And that is what energizes me and calls me, pulls me forward to go and stand out in the rain and holler at some knuckleheads who have a poster of white Jesus. Side note, y'all should have seen their faces when I finally noticed that and said, and you got white Jesus on your poster. <laughs> they had not thought about that clearly. And once they all kind of realized it, they were like, oh, we're in trouble here. That's when they really started insulting me. <laughs> the Easter story and resurrection, in whatever way you view it, is an incredibly human story. The grief of the disciples who lose their friends and feel lost, feel like they're dying. 
Maybe not physically, but spiritually, emotionally. Feel like they just need to go. They just need to run. They just need to get away from here. That was Friday. Saturday was their day of rest. When they had to sit and live with it. Live with the loss. Easter is not just about, yay, happy endings. He's not dead. They didn't win. Easter is about the very real grief that all of us have experienced. And if we haven't yet, we will soon. That's the unfortunate truth. That is what it is to be human. Frederick Buechner is one of my favorite theologians. And he says that resurrection means to him the worst thing is never the last thing. The worst thing is never the last thing. And I take a lot of heart in that. We're not always going to do it right. Not everything is going to be glorious Easter mornings and pretty dresses and shiny belt buckles and sparkling boots. But there's the chance, the possibility, that something might be born from that grief that calls us all together, that calls us to respond to injustice, to hatred, to evil when it rears its head in our neighborhood. Because I saw it happen. And there were people who showed up from all corners of that area. Katie and I were the first ones there. Speaking of, oh wow, just now I thought of this. Speaking of the first uh, women preachers who start the resurrection stories, shout out to you, Katie. <laughs> Uh, we showed up and then other people started showing up and people with dogs started showing up and runners were coming by and like cheering for us and it, it became clear that we were the dominant force that love was going to win the day that we were not going to let this hatred and this injustice stand and when those folks started realizing oh we were really being challenged and now this guy with a cross has shown up <laughs> it was over for them at that point so when I talk about church the church, being the church. God's body. That's what I talk about. That's what I mean. When we're brought together in the name of love. To defend our people. We also celebrate one another in that same way. When I read the kingdom of God stories. The kingdom of good. The kingdom of the good. The beloved community. That's what I see in it. That's what we're being called to. And the way that we do that is by sometimes sitting together. Sitting with the tough stuff. Sitting with the grief. And then celebrating when there's some kind of resurrection. Because resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. And I think there's so much hope in that. So for you, I'm not trying to convince you to come to my theology. You don't have to pick up a cross and follow me anywhere. <laughs> but I'm asking you to find where resurrection is present in your life. Because I think it might be. If we're willing to see it. And to find something that grounds you so much in who you are and what you believe. That the anger and the fear flows down the river. And that when you're called... To respond to injustice in whatever way it shows up, you will.
Because that's what our faith calls us to do. President of the EUA, Susan Frederick Gray, says this is no time for a casual faith. And this is no time to go it alone. And that is the story of Easter. People who risk to spread the message. And people who do not go it alone. People who work in community to make the world a better place. To build the kingdom of God on earth. Easter is the fundamental affirmation of this world. When Jesus shows up in the resurrection stories, the gospel writers could have written a story where Jesus showed up like flexing muscles and beautiful hair, not a scar on his body, he looks like a supermodel, but they don't. In the story, Jesus shows up and he has scars still. And the scars, as we talked about last week, the week before. The scars are where that light that is within you shines through the most. There's an affirmation of this body, of this life, in the Easter story. That it is not all about a time after this. Although it might be. But it is also about this time. And how will we make this world a better place? And how will we make you a better person? Your highest self. Because if you want to be someone who works for good in the world you got to be good to yourself, too. And if we can't celebrate and hold all that stuff that's within us, we cannot celebrate and hold all that stuff for one another. So in this Easter, in this Earth Day, as we think about what restoration means, what resurrection means, as we work to make the world a better place, I hope that we can reflect on those words from Hezekiah Walker that says, I need you to survive. Both I need you to survive, and I need you to survive. And we all need each other, friends. So may it be so. Amen.